again, everyone, and welcome to the latest installment of Club 46, driven by Bridgestone. I'm Jay Crawford, and thrilled to be joined by not just one of the all-time great linebackers in Cleveland Brown history, but really one of the all-time great Cleveland Browns players, Clay Matthews. Clay, great to see you. Great to see you. I'm going to start with a compliment. You look amazing. <laughs> you look you look like you retired five years ago. Well, I could play one play if they ran to the other side of the field, but that's <laughs> it. Yeah. I like that. Um, you have so many impressive stats, and we're going to go through some of those here, but the one that really, to me, jumps right off the page is the fact that you helped lead Cleveland Browns teams to the postseason in seven of your 16 seasons here in Cleveland, which is really nothing short of remarkable. What is your, Clay, favorite memory of a Cleveland Brown play, a memory that stands out amongst all others? That's a great question. I've spent a lot of time, you know, now that I'm going through this process, it, it's, it's coming back to me. And I'm, it, I'd love to pick the plays on the field and yeah. tell you about that. But the most amazing memories are in the locker room. Really? Because, yeah. The locker room is a, it's a magical place because you got all these folks from different type of backgrounds. We got some wealthy folks, some not so wealthy, some smart ones, some pretty smart ones. <laughs> <laughs> but when you take these people and put them together in trying to get that common goal of winning a world championship, it's just, it's amazing how it brings people together. And I think if you take older players and you put them together are you going to sit there and go i made this great catch in 1964 or i did this or i did that no it's what you did with those teammates right. in those locker rooms and 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 the stories are just incredible of all of your years in the locker room with the cleveland browns is there one episode or one story that you like to tell at gatherings that always brings the house down I'll, I tell you what, I can't get it down to one, but I can get it down to a group. Okay. And again, speaking along the, the lines of team and teammates and all, the most, some of the most incredible experiences were when we would get on a roll. And so people will ask me, are you disappointed you didn't win a Super Bowl or you didn't get to a Super Bowl? And I would go, no, because what, in 1980, in 1986, uh, 87, 89, 90, we got on these incredible rolls where you'd get behind. And it, maybe a year or two ago, you think, oh, no, we're in trouble. But when you got on that roll, that collective magic that you had, somehow you'd come back and win a game. Or a guy would, let's say a guy would blow an assignment. He, he rushed the pass, passer and he was supposed to cover somebody. Well, that guy was wide open, but the quarterback didn't see him. He hit the quarterback, they fumbled, and just these magical roles where you didn't believe you could lose. And then invariably, we, we didn't make it, so we did lose. But it, it was almost like you didn't believe you could lose. Wow. And yeah. just, that, that's the magic. Yeah. You're not gonna give me what I want, so I'm just gonna <laughs> go there. I'm gonna go there. Um, it's the Browns and the Bills. And Jim <laughs> Kelly can score as easily as he can sneeze. And they're driving. And they're seemingly on their way to a game-winning touchdown. And I want you to pick it up next. Take us through the play. Take us through it, the moment. And what you think about that play now. It, 
Okay, here's what happened. They had not thrown to their backs all year. Mm -hmm. So we go into the game, and I'm the third down coverage linebacker. So I, go, I, get, I get this game off, you know, let the cornerbacks <laughs> do all the work. Go in there, and all of a sudden they start throwing to them. Sure. And, you know, the guy was pretty good. Pretty what, good. <laughs> Thurman Thomas? Thurman Thomas. He was very good. Yeah, he was good, and they had never used him. Right. Which, okay, so he catches you know, four or five balls, coach comes over and goes, hey, we think we're going to put a DB on. And I go, hey, let's go with it. You know, yeah, right, right. <laughs> he goes out there. He's worse than me, you know, yeah. with Thurman. And then he goes, you're going back in. Okay, so amazingly, I, I, I make a few plays and everything. And, but, but still, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm worried. Now they're driving for the winning score, what would put them ahead. They get down there and they come out in what's called an empty formation. Right. No backs. Thurman's right there. And I go, and we were in some coverage where it was me man to man with no help, maybe on top, but right. And Nothing I go, okay, he could go inside or he could go outside. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't remember guessing, but I played off of it a little bit and broke inside. And I don't know it. I felt faster than I normally did. I think it was absolute fear of giving up the winning score. And he throws the ball, and I caught it and started to run. And then I go, what am I doing? You know, we got the game. I remember and hit that. the ground. Yeah, smart yeah. move. Yes. Smart move. Now that I'm really pressing you, is that the one play that you would want to put into a video vault and say, for, for your great-grandkids when they're NFL stars, and they no doubt will be, is that the play you'd like to show them and say, once upon a time, your great-granddad was pretty good? No, I'd probably, to be honest, I'd probably find a play where, you know, you, you got some. <laughs> say the, the old man wasn't afraid to go in there and mix it up a little bit. All right, so, very good. Yeah. You mentioned the times in the locker room, and those yes. are times that are always important, and uh, many players hold those moments dear mm -hmm. to their hearts. Um, what, what is your favorite memory or time just l being in Cleveland and being a Clevelander during those years? It. And again, as I'm, as I'm being pulled into this process here of right. being um, honored, which humbles the heck out of me, but uh, it, th there are two things that, that really come up. One is, uh, what do I miss? I miss, and this one is kind of unusual. I've already talked about I miss the locker room, yeah. and I miss that magic, okay? The other thing was a bit of a surprise is I miss really trying to be the best player I could be. Mm. And it, it, you know, you could almost lose yourself in a good way trying to be the best player. And What do you mean by that? Just from, you know, people talk about, hey, you gotta be there Sunday. You know, you gotta be ready to go. Well, yeah, but Sunday is reflected in what you do Monday through Saturday. And to a degree, it, uh, this probably isn't the right word, using the word addiction, you know, but I had an addiction to trying to be the best player I could be. In fact, at times, I wanted to be the best linebacker in the world, you know, and then all of a sudden, you're no longer playing football. You miss that, you know, that, that clarity and really the intensity of Monday through Saturday, maybe more mental intensity than physical intensity, has to match that physical intensity and mental intensity that you bring Sunday. And 
Do I, I miss that process? Yeah. Yeah. How was that transition for you, Clay, going from player to former player? It went real quick, and here's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so I got my oldest son is a uh, freshman in high school, and he's starting to play football. So he comes up and he goes, uh, "Hey, Dad, you you want to coach?" And I go, "I know, I don't want to coach, you know." And he. He said, I'll tell the guy, you know, that you'll coach, you know. <laughs> so this is, this is California. So he goes and he tells the guy, and I don't hear anything. So it's the first day of practice. I think they're taking pictures. So I go out there, and, and uh, Kyle, my oldest son, brings the, the coach over. And he says, uh, he says to me, I hear you want to coach. And I go, uh, uh, yeah, I'll help. And he goes, well, what do you know about football? And I said, um, I, I don't know. Where do you need help? And he goes, offensive line. And so I go, well, I can do that. And he goes, hey, we're starting practice right now. So I became the offensive line coach. And all I did was reverse engineer everything I learned <laughs> playing defense. So I really didn't have time. You know, I had five kids. Yeah. And jumped into what they were doing and other stuff. Sure. And then they took off. And so that transition to... Uh, the real world was quick and yeah. easy. I've talked to so many former players and they say that the transition isn't as smooth and at some point they do hit a depression or they hit a period where they're trying to figure out who they are now that they no longer put a helmet on for a living. Did you have any of that in your life? Fortunately not and again I was too busy trying to win that uh, what do they call that Pop Warner championship <laughs> and when I won. <laughs> I want to know who was the guy that asked you what do you know about football? Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was a coach. You know, he, we never mentioned that again, but uh, nice guy. Sure. Yeah. He guess he, you know, he'd been in another, uh, another world somewhere. How many Matthews family members are, have played in the NFL? I, I can't even, I, I lost count. Eight. That's ridiculous, yeah. Clay. It, uh, How do you explain that? I really think we love the game. There's, there, football is fun and it has bright, shiny moments, but it's a lot of work and it's a lot of pain. And you really gotta love it. You really gotta like it. You really gotta wanna be a good A lot of at people it. love it. A lot of people love it. They love watching it. They love that first year when they come in and it's all good and everything. And then all of a sudden you're in your second year and it, you know, it's Wednesday and you got practice and you can barely get out of bed. Yeah. You know, you gotta, there's gotta be some kind of internal something that's wrong with you sure. to get you up hey I want to do it again everybody loves game day but again what makes game day Monday through Saturday Sunday's the fun part yeah if you had to pick one family characteristic that you think is running through all of these veins of these Matthews players what what is it I I think my my dad talked to me about it, you know, and he said, you just want to be the guy that shows up and he shows up every day and he shows up every day ready to work, you know, and it, if, if you have some talent, you know, and you show, you do those other things, everything will work out. Yeah. I mean, this game of football has placed Matthews players everywhere. We got them in the Pacific Northwest and then Southern California, Atlanta. Cleveland, uh, Tennessee, Houston, Houston, and you know, and they've got all this going on. But I, I tell you, the one amazing thing is that 
invariably, if you have a conversation with any of them, at some point in the conversation, how are those brownies doing? It always comes up. Really? I, I, you know, and it, I'm the guy that was with the Browns, so. Sure. But it, I don't know. It's just magic. It's yeah. kind of cool. It's been like that. Yeah. What is it like being a big part of the NFL's first family? What does that mean to you? I think it swings between utter excitement and utter uh, fear. You know, oh. when, well, you, when you play, you know, as an individual, when you're out there, all of the anxiety, all of the hoopla that comes with it gets burnt up. You're burning it out as you play. Right. So you're out there, and by the time the game's over, you've provided you've left it all out there, it's good, you know? When you're a coach, which, and you're coaching a family member, now it's a little harder to get rid of that. And last but not least, when you're a dad and you're just sitting there, <laughs> yeah. you're just like, you know, someone falls and you lift a leg. And yeah. it, it, There's no so, anxiety like that. No, no anxiety. Yeah. yeah. Is it harder for you to watch your son than it was for you to go through the motions yourself as a player? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, I, when I played, all that energy went towards being the best I could be. Yeah. You know, now I'm sitting there and, and there's so many levels that you want them to be good at. You know, you want them to play well. You want them to be healthy. You want them to make a play. You want their team to play well. You want their defense to play well. You, you know, and once they've done that, you kind of want it all. So it, uh, it, it gets very hard to get it all, yeah. you know. You can relax until next Sunday. Yes. And then you're a ball of nerves again. Yeah. Bridgestone knows you want the same thing from your tires as you do from the Cleveland Browns. Performance when it matters most. That's why Bridgestone Dueler Tires boast up to an 80,000-mile limited warranty, so they're in it for the long haul. Because nothing says endurance like season after season of clutch performance. Bridgestone, official tire of the Cleveland Browns. Conditions apply. Log on to BridgestoneTire.com warranty for details. When you think back on your personal journey um, in athletics, I'd like to go back to the very beginning. When did you realize, did you play all sports as a kid? I did. Yeah. Yes. Did you have a favorite? Football. Always. Yeah. My, my dad gave me good advice. Okay. We were playing eighth grade team, a little town in North Carolina. And I, he said, how's football going? Because, you know, dads couldn't leave jobs back then to come right. watch you play. And uh, said, hey, I'm not getting to play much. It's frustrating. And he said, if you get an opportunity, volunteer to go in. You know, so we go up to play at this, I can still remember it. It was pouring rain. And there was a kickoff. And we were short a man. And the coach, you know, all of a sudden, you, we see it in the NFL. They panic, you know. Yeah. I need a guy. I'll go, coach. Yeah. I go in there, run down the field, made the tackle. And the coach started me. Uh, from then on out. Wow. So yeah. Dad's advice came in handy. Yeah. So you played high school football then ultimately in Illinois. Started off in California. Okay. So back then we went to high school for three years. Okay. So I had uh, two years in California. Right. And then moved to Chicago. Right. right. And this, my father had done really well, was moving up the corporate ladder. Sure. So we go to Chicago and I played my senior year in Chicago. How tough was that for you to go from a situation where you were familiar to, oh, yeah. no, I'm the new it guy? Was, uh, it, was, it was tough. But I tell you, it, it taught you that 
a locker room is a locker room <laughs> is a locker room. Right. And yeah. it, you know, when I went from USC to the Browns, it, once you get in a locker room, it, it settles down. Same thing. Yeah. So talk about your recruitment and how ultimately you ended up at USC. Late in the recruiting year, Wayne Fonts calls and he said, Clay, this is Wayne Fonts, uh, University of Southern California Trojans. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come out here. He goes, you'll win a national championship. He goes, you'll marry a cheerleader. <laughs> And you'll get a job in the movies when you're done. How could I turn that down? That's a pretty good offer. That's a pretty good offer. Yeah. And so off you go to, to the hated Trojans at the right. time. That was a team yeah. that you despised. How, yeah, long, but how long before you just absolutely said, okay, one enough trip. of this nonsense? Yeah. I left Chicago. <laughs> I remember I got my dad let me off, and I'm walking across to the to get into the airport and the wind's blowing and there's ice so you're actually sliding across landed in Los Angeles and a guy picks me up has a Hawaiian shirt and shorts on and you were in that was the first clue I got <laughs> it might work when you think back to that journey and that time in your life you also got to sort of relive that then with your boys and so you probably had a pretty good idea on how to help them navigate all of those waters how involved were you with the whole process for how that was going to go for Clay, as Clay was becoming a superstar in high school. It, <laughs> it, it really, you know, because folks have come to me. I've had two kids play in the NFL and others who have played, and uh, they, they think I have the magic. What's the magic formula? And really, the same process that my parents, you know, put with me, show up, you know, be a team guy, work hard, do this, and, and whatever will be revealed will be revealed. Now, Clay, Clay has done very well in the NFL, <laughs> but Clay was a late bloomer like I was, which, which, which I had talked about earlier. And he was not offered one scholarship going into, really? high, going into college. And he said, he goes, uh, now USC was willing to let him come on as a walk-on. And I said to him, I go, look, and this was the height of the Pete Carroll era there. Yeah. They had some tremendous players there. A lot of them have cycled through and, you know, gone now from the NFL. And he, he says, I want to go down to USC. And I said, hey, you don't need to go because your uncle went there and I went there. And, you know, and basically I'm thinking, you know, will he get to, will he ever get to play there? Sure. And he, he said, no, he goes, I think I can handle this. I think, uh, I think I can go down there and make something happen. So he goes down there and first year doesn't play at all. I'll never forget the special teams coach came, you know, now he's eligible to play. And he goes, Hey, your kid really shows something on kickoff. I'm going to put him on kickoff team runs down the field, full speed. He was about five yards in front of everybody else. I don't know if he made any tackles, but he caused mayhem down there, you know? <laughs> and then by the end of the year, he was on every special team. Then the next year, they started putting him in, and whenever they put him in, he made plays, okay? Then the next year, the same thing. Now, it took him to the fifth game of his fifth year before they finally started him. Really? Yeah. And he went, he went from... Hey, you know, because he was starting to show a little bit, and we're thinking, hey, maybe he'll get drafted, you know? And then <laughs> by the end of the year, he was a first-round pick. 
So he, wow. that's not an easy story, you know? And I'm sure there were times where even if he wasn't questioning his decision, as a father, you had to be wondering, is this, was this the best path for him? And, you know, at the end of the day, if he's down there doing the things, doing them right, you know, wherever, whatever his life's work ends up being, I think he would have done well. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That also runs in the family. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I want you to compare um, your draft day experience. First, talk about your <laughs> draft day experience, because that was such a different time. Uh, the NFL draft was a completely different beast. It yes. wasn't the monster that it is now. So talk us through your NFL draft experience. 41 years ago, May 2nd, okay, the draft is coming up. And it was a different world then. The draft was held at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time in New York. And, you know, there was no place you went. So I had... It wasn't televised even, no, was it? No, it wasn't even televised. I had my $95 uh, apartment down at USC. My wife drove down that morning to get down there at about 6.30. Girlfriend, fiancés, yeah, they didn't sleep over then. We would have been tarred and feathered. <laughs> <laughs> Different time. <laughs> Different time. So she comes down. We're there. We're sitting around, and they go, we'll expect a call. So the draft technically is starting at five in the morning, um, LA time. Mm -hmm. It's just me and her sitting in this apartment. And I, I don't know the time exactly, but the phone rings, you know, and you pick it up and it, uh, hello, this is such and such with the Cleveland Browns. You know, wow. that's when I knew. And so Cleveland Browns, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Art Modell came on and thanked me and then, Sam came on and we're ready to go. And then, uh, you know, we had a little press conference and then, okay, thank you. You know, and that was it. I did not talk to my dad till noon because he was at work. And finally we got together and wow. he said, he said, hey, I hear you're going to the Giants. And I go, no, dad, Cleveland Browns. He goes, <laughs> okay. <laughs> what a different yeah. time, Clay. What, it was just her and me sitting there in this, you know, little Simple, apartment. but I bet a great memory for you. Yeah. I could, in fact, I could go right now and show you the exact spot where I was. Wow. Yeah. So your draft day story, simple, just you and your future wife. Yeah. Then you got to relive that a number of years later with your son. Yes. Knowing that he was going to be a very high draft. Yeah. So the, the comparison between your first round draft day and Clay's. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a ocean okay. apart. So, Clay is at the house. He wants to do it at the house, mm -hmm. which is good. Okay, he's got his agent. He's got his assistant agent. And then they got the, the two interns there. And then all the folks come over and everything. So, it, it was completely different. And then the... Uh, I'm sure there were the, TV crews. Yeah, there was a TV crew there. And... Hmm. Quite a contrast. Oh, how times have changed. Yeah. Do you think yeah. it's for the better, today's NFL? Oh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's showy. I like it. Yeah. I watch it. When, when you watch your son play, uh, do you ever see parts of your game in him? No, he's a lot better than me. Tons better. He's fast. Fast. You, you were know? fast? I was fast when they had training table food <laughs> <laughs> to get that. But, right, uh, yeah. 
He's a hard worker. He's professional. You know, he's gone to a new team, and I think a lot of the young guys have looked at him. And, you know, what can you be? You can be proud of all your kids for so many things, you know. But, you know, you'll hear, I'll meet a Ram, and he'll say, hey, you know, your son, he's, he's professional. You know, because they, they looked at him as, you know, back in that Super Bowl glitz and then commercials and yeah. all that, and they figured he was, you know. Had more prima donna to him yeah. than he does. And then he comes in and he's a blue-collar guy. Yeah. And uh, you hear things like that. You hear things like that about your kids, and you know they might be okay. <laughs> you did something good. Yeah. <laughs> um, what piece of advice, what was the biggest piece of advice you gave to Clay before he entered his NFL journey? I, I, I ended up coaching him a lot, so I didn't have to give him, you know, it was just, he got the same thing everybody else got, you yeah. know, show up, bring your game, be ready to go, you know, and know your stuff, and, you know, and then have fun with it, too. I used to have tons of fun with it. Bridgestone knows you want the same thing from your tires as you do from the Cleveland Browns. Performance when it matters most, which is why Bridgestone tires are built for just that. Whether it's driving up to 50 miles to safety after a flat, confident control in wet conditions, or the dependability of an 80,000-mile limited warranty, Bridgestone's roster of tires has got you covered. Bridgestone, official tire of the Cleveland Browns. Conditions apply. Log on to BridgestoneTire.com slash warranty for details. We know that sports is all about stats, mm -hmm. football, numbers. It's really hard to quantify the impact of a defensive player because it's a little, you, you don't know what system the player played in, mm -hmm. and they don't always translate, particularly from generation to generation. But when I look at the back of your football card, as they say, um, the numbers are absolutely astounding. First of all, I don't know how many linebackers can say they played for 19 seasons. You might see an offensive lineman sneak in there for 19 or a kicker or a punter, outside the box quarterback maybe, but mm -hmm. a, for a linebacker, somebody who plays a high collision position like that, how in the world were you able to last that long? I just, I love playing the game. I love the whole process. I love the, you know, coming in Monday and working out and getting started. Getting, getting started again, prepping for that next game. I loved game day. I loved thinking, okay, you know, when instead of, you know, when that team would be moving down and they're going to get ready to score and you're, instead of thinking, wow, things are going to go bad, you'd start thinking, this is an opportunity to do something good, you know? And it, uh, I love that whole process. I love the teammates. I love the young guys, the old guys. Right. There's... I can't think of anything bad about it. And even, even to a degree, the pain after a while, you kind of, you can push that aside. When it was getting close to the end for you, what was that process like for you to decide, I've had enough, I'm done? I'll never forget the, the last year that I played. We opened uh, in Carolina and at their new stadium, I think it was. And I went out. And at that time, I was just rushing on third down. I started off the first 10 years of my career covering on third down. Now, right. my last year, I, I finally get what I want to be a pass <laughs> rusher. So I come around the corner and beat the guy, you know, and 
you're coming around in that feeling when you see the quarterback, it, he's got his back to me. Back then you could whack him, yeah. you know? And uh, <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, this is gonna be good. And all of a sudden the guy takes off. And so young guy, athlete, you know, and he was fast. So the fact I didn't catch him, let's, <laughs> let's get that out there right now. But I'm coming around and I'm chasing him and I'm just about to get him and he takes off. We go on for a long run. It, about 30 yards, so he goes out of bounds. So third down, they converted to first down. I go off the field. Uh, I go over there and my legs are shaking, wow. you know, and I had never experienced that. And I remember the old boxing guys used to say, it isn't this that goes, the legs, the legs. always go first. <laughs> I have to ask you about the three, probably most infamous plays in Cleveland Browns history. <laughs> And, and you actually have the rare distinction of being, I imagine, one of only a handful of guys that were on the field for all of them. And I'll get your reaction to each one, and we'll do them in order, and I'll start with Red Right 88. Okay. What do you most remember about that play, about that game, and what you felt afterwards? I, that was our first big run, 1980. And we had wallowed around there at the beginning of the year and then we got on a streak and it was it was the first time we were winning games we shouldn't have won we were making plays we shouldn't have made and it, it really i was like a fan on that one and i go we can't be beat you know we we just cannot lose and we're we're going into that game and yeah we're behind and brian and everybody is driving down towards the open end. And I, it's just a matter of time. It's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the red right 88, that occurred. And I, I remember just thinking, you know, because when something bad happens, you usually, you analyze what went wrong. Okay, so we can fix it. Mm -hmm. we, we need to fix it now. And you realize we can't fix this. It's over. It's over. That one took, took a lot of time to kind of process. And that was the... Uh, Particularly the when one. they went on to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I, I've said this before, and of course everybody says it. You know, I think we would have done fine in the Super Bowl, yeah. but everybody who doesn't make it says that. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. So from that we have the drive, which is a number of years later. Yes. Um, and and you're a more seasoned NFL player at this point, and you probably know how to better analyze the abrupt end of a season. But what's going through your mind? I can, during the drive. I can remember several aspects to that. One was we got them down in their territory. Two-yard line. Yeah. And then they're working their way out. And then we had a third and 14, 15, 16. And I can remember the call. I mean, I, I don't remember exactly what the name was. But yeah. it covered two man, man-to-man -man underneath, and then two free safeties. And they catch that one. And then you... Now you're thinking, ah, they're getting a little momentum. Then they got down on our goal line. And you know what you do when you get into those high pressure situations, you go, okay, what can I do? You know, what can I do to do this? And I had the back to the flat and they were, they were actually running that guy in, figuring, well, maybe they can pick me if he can't get open. Right. And I wasn't gonna be picked. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm jumping on him and I'm running to the sideline and you know, you know when you got him. I mean, I, I know I got him. Yeah. And then he threw that ball and it just, 
again, it happened like that. Sure. And again, we had had that in 86. I talked about it earlier. In fact, uh, John Dorsey was on that Packer team that uh, came in here. They had not won a game. We were like two and two or two and three, and they beat us. Yeah. And then we went on a run after that. And the runs become magical. You know, sure. you, you can't stop them. Yeah. And again, it, you just sit there and you go, gosh, it happened again. And it wasn't over because the, the very next year, you're in the same situation, AFC Championship game, yes. and the fumble. Right. What do you remember about that? I just, I remember he cut, and you could see it opening up, you know, because the DB who came in from the, the left there as you, from the bench, and I go, he's going in to score. You know, and, and that had been a disaster the first half. We... They came out and they were go they were playing at 90 and we were playing at uh, 45. But then in the second half, we speeded up and they slowed down. And again, you felt that magic, but you didn't want to believe it. But then I saw him going and I it's going to happen. And then all of a sudden the ball's on the ground and you go out there and again you go through that same process. How can we fix this? You know, usually okay, we got 45 seconds we can do. It. And then you go out there and you do the math, you do the thinking, and you go. It doesn't work. It's over. Yeah. I, I can tell you're extremely uncomfortable with any individual attention, um, but this is going to bring a, a lot of attention to you. When, what was your reaction when you found out that the Cleveland Browns were going to honor you really in the, in the highest possible way that a team can honor a player? You know, I, I grew up here. I came here as a 21-year-old kid and left, you know, well into my 30s. And what did I grow up in the shadow of? You know, Jim, Jim Brown, Brown. Uh, Paul Brown, Paul Brown, all of them, yeah. you know, and to put when they called and said, hey, we're putting you with these guys. I was, hey, you got the right guy. <laughs> 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 and and then, OK, that's strike one. These guys are, you know, they're up here. And strike two is I got to bring my teammates with me, you know, so it, uh, <laughs> it's I'm just so humble. Yeah. To be honored in this way. The numbers are astounding. And I know these will embarrass you, but you had over 1,500 tackles. Over 1,500 tackles. You almost averaged 100 tackles a season for an incredible length of time. 16 interceptions. You had 69 and a half sacks, and the first four years of your career, they didn't count sacks as a statistic. True. Yeah. This is an unbelievable body of work that belongs in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. What's your thoughts on that and what it would feel like to actually be inducted into Canton? I can only imagine it would be to be elevated with these Browns greats, to be elevated and uh, put with NFL greats like that. It would it'd just be amazing. But Join I got a brother. But I gotta, I joined my brother, but I gotta bring my teammates with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's very fair yeah. and fitting. I'm yes. sure, and I'm sure many of them would be along for the ride. That process, as you know, has become incredibly political. It really has become about, almost about campaigns. Mm -hmm. And you're not that kind of a guy. I can, you're just not. Um, so. Do you think at times that you need to become that guy to get that ultimate honor? Or would you rather not get in 
and having not politic to get in? It, I, I tell you what, the one responsible, you know, who's uh, pushing me is my daughter. Yeah. So my daughter comes out of nowhere and says, Dad, I think you should be in the NFL Hall of Fame. That's not out of nowhere, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of well, people that believe that. And she says, so I'm going to see what I can do. And I said, uh, you know, it, it, I'm uncomfortable with it. it I, anything I did was built, you know, with my teammates. And so I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I don't, I don't really want you to do it. Yeah, you know? right. She says, okay. Next day she comes back and she goes, Dad, I'm going to willingly disobey you. <laughs> <laughs> she's so a, I, and she's your daughter. Yeah. There's nothing you can say. And she's a pit bull. <laughs> she's a lovely pit bull. Yes. And yes, I have to say, because yes. I have read these tweets that she's put out, and I've always believed that you belong in the Hall mm -hmm. of Fame, but with each tweet that she sends, it just reaffirms my own belief, but also I see a groundswell of support from folks that will look at your numbers and say, wow, knew he was great, knew he had a long career, had no idea. Mm. And I, I think, do you feel a, a little bit of momentum here going? Because I know you're going to go through that process very soon. <laughs> do you feel a change in the, in the air? I, gosh, this is so hard. I know so it is. So hard I'm to sorry. talk about yourself. Yeah. It, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, yeah. I'm, you know what? I'll show up, I'll bring my A game, and, and we'll see what happens, yeah. I love it. Oh. Clay, thank you so much. Thank you. I've thoroughly enjoyed, enjoyed this, and I know yeah. Browns fans everywhere have. Uh, it's, it's a treat, it's, and it's great to have you in Cleveland. Clay Matthews, thank you very much. Please join us next week on Club 46, driven by Bridgestone, when we'll be joined by another all-time great Cleveland Brown.